0: Welcome to The Edge from Bantam Tools, our podcast about designers, educators, and businesses exploring the frontiers of digital fabrication. I'm Bree Pettis. And I'm Zach Dunham.
1: In today's episode, Bree and I sit down with master machinist Angelo Curras at the Autodesk Pier 9 facility in San Francisco. We're going to be talking all about the history of CNC machining over the last two decades and get a look at what's ahead in the world of CNC. The Autodesk Pier 9 facility is an incredible space. Some of you may have seen videos or photos online or visited yourself. It feels a little bit like you're stepping into the future of manufacturing when you walk in. As Brie puts it,
0: The most wonderful and absurd fabrication facility slash office, maybe on the planet.
2: So Angelo, where are we right now? So right now we're in the Pier 9 CNC machine shop. We're sitting above water, as you can see. So what goes on here? in this space. So I test the software. When I was on the prior team of uh, product management, the developers would develop a new toolpath strategy. So we'd come here into the shop and actually do validation of the software. Dogfooding. Dogfooding, yes, 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 yes. So here in the shop, that's what we do. It's awesome. This machine right here, it's a DMS, five-axis router. Uh, the machine over here, this is our five-axis Omax water jet. This is a beast. It's got a very big uh, work envelope. So this here is a Haas st 10 y It's a nice little work envelope. Over this way, this is our Matsura MX-330. It's a five-axis mill. This is a beautiful machine. This is uh, the newest machine in the shop. And when it arrived, it was the first one on this side of the country.
0: And then I see a VF-2SS over here. Yeah,
2: VF-2SS. That's the most popular machine here in the shop. Most users use that because there's such a wide variety of what you can make on that machine.
1: If you're lost in the weeds with all of these names like I was, just basically imagine half a dozen of the most advanced CNC machines the size of cars and trucks, neatly arranged one next to the other. And this was just the tip of the iceberg. Beyond the machine shop, there's a full wood shop, followed by a metal shop, and upstairs, a dozen or so state-of-the-art industrial 3D printers. Angelo is currently the CAM product manager at Autodesk, where he relies on this amazing machinery at Pier 9 to help test and advance the CAD and CAM features in Autodesk software.
2: My name is Angelo Juris. I've been machining since 1988. Uh, When I was in high school, my father was a bookkeeper, CPA, and uh, we had some family friends that owned a large machine shop here in the San Francisco Bay Area. And Summers, when I wasn't in school, he'd take me to work with him. And I was in the metal shop, and They had manual lathes, manual mills, and I always found it fascinating just looking at the chips, the spiral chips that would come off of the manual lathes because they did a lot of stainless steel. Since I was maybe 11, 12, and I was always in the shop and always wanted to know how to do it. When I was growing up, I didn't grow up to want to be a machinist, I I wanted to be a pilot actually. Some of the guys there, they were telling me, oh yeah, machining's great, you make good money for the time, and even now, it's a good career. I was always fascinated that you can take a raw piece of metal and turn it into a usable piece that is something of value. You take a raw piece of stock and in a certain amount of time, it's just something badass. Yeah. So so I was just blown away by that. And uh, in the East Bay here in the San Francisco Bay Area, they had a community college called Chabot College. And they had a nice machining program. So I went there uh, nights. And I did the worked in the shop during the days and I worked and did the schooling in the nights. So I did the manual program to become a manual machinist. Mm-hmm. And then after that, everybody, wanted, everybody wants to do CNC. And I was always blown away by by CNC. It's just like Damn. amazing technology. At that time, this is like 89, 1989, 1990 time frame. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it was early days. very early days. Yeah. and. The shop that I worked at, they had an old CNC mill, and it it was so old. It was a Matsura VMC 2000 that had a Fanuc 6M control, and on the back of the machine, it had the reel-to-reel, the tape. It was so old. With little dots. With the dots, Yeah. yeah, yeah.
1: Wait, what? It's N-C. Yeah, N-C. Wait, yeah, oh, yeah, it's yeah, N-C. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so the old
2: machines were N-C, numerical control. Yeah. You'd punch the tape and a bunch of dots, and the machine would interpret that. That'd be N-C. Yeah. So this machine was a 6M, so it was C-N-C, but it still had the older technology tape. So you can program it by hand, program with CAM software, or use the tape. And if you made a mistake punching the tape, you'd have to start over or splice it in and out. It's like audio
1: recording. Yeah, Yeah,
2: this is old school stuff, yeah.
1: If this history is piquing your interest and you're curious to read more about the evolution of these machines, we put together a three-part series on the history of CNC a few months ago. It's linked to in the show notes. So while Angelo is in night school at Chabot College, he's also working on a side hustle at a local job shop as a manual machinist, where there's just one CNC machine with a dedicated operator. And then Angelo got his big chance. And
2: then this guy, he quit or got fired, or I can't remember what the deal, what the reason was. And then the owner said he had a Croatian accent. So he said he'd call me a junior, because I was a junior <laughs> to my dad. He'd call me, he said, Junior, do you want to run at this machine? And I said, oh, heck yeah. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> and awesome. And, uh, and I was so hungry, I would eat, sleep, and drink machining. And anything I can read, I read Modern Machine Shop, religiously, and any and CNC West, any machining magazine. Yeah. And I just educated myself as much, as much as possible, as well as going to Chabot College in the evening. And there was an annual trade show in Santa Clara here. And then they'd have the guys setting up the machine, and he had a lab coat. So I looked up to this guy, like he was on a pedestal or like he was a god. I said, one day I want to be that guy running the machines in the booth where you do the demos. And chips are flying and people are surrounding. And you hear, at a trade show, when you hear the noise, it kind of draws the crowd. So you get to blow minds. Yeah, blow minds. Yeah, and people, we were just watching. I was a young guy, I was young. I was like in my young 20s and was just blown away. I said, one day I want to be that guy. So I always wanted to, <laughs> to climb that ladder. Are you there? Are you, are you that guy? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, I've done some things like that in my career, yes. People think
0: nowadays about technology and we have a new phone comes out every 10 minutes and the world of machines has, they have a longer lifetime than our phone. Like you were in the, like you're in 95 and you're buying a 1977 machine or something like this, right? So I think that that's one of the difference of machine shops tech to the rest of the world. It's like when you commit to this, you're often committing for Twenty years. Yes, of owning a machine.
2: Absolutely. Yes. Yes. Uh, I've worked in shops where they had machines from the fifties, machines right. from the thirties, forties. Old Cincinnati old, machines. Yes. Just last forever. Yeah. Old mills, old yeah. lays old shapers, old everything.
0: I went to the big machine show earlier this year. And Haas Yeah, and Haas had
2: their first machine there. Their vf1 yeah that stood for very first one <laughs> yeah really? the vf1 uh, yeah
0: and it it's, looked uh, like it was in functional condition like it looked yes
2: like, it's still yeah. operational Yeah, and it had this plastic enclosure yeah, it looked kind of like a pod or a spaceship yeah, 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 it wasn't yeah. the prettiest thing <laughs> but that was their very first yeah. one yeah so i'm a i'm a relative newcomer to this space and yeah. um
1: but I can still feel like the power of being able to like take my laptop, sit in bed and the night before, you know, I'm going go to the office the next day and work on a part, be able to generate all the toolpaths on my laptop and then just show up the next day and push out the G code and start running the machine. With my limited experience i don't have the same level of appreciation in this on the perch that you have like looking back for 20 years of like oh my god here i was you know in the 90s working with an nc machine with you know where you were, people were talking actually talking about splicing tape to now <laughs> your push two buttons you generate that the, the you know the facing pattern what are some of the things that people are taking for granted if they're just coming into the space right okay. now
2: great great so one analogy i like to use is uh, if you think of photography Twenty years ago, you want to be a photographer, you'd have to buy all this fancy equipment, and uh, you'd have to you'd have to have some investment in that. Whereas now, everybody has an awesome phone in their pocket with their smartphones, and same thing with making and machining. Now, with cloud-based CAD CAM software, uh, you can teach a twelve-year-old, a ten-year-old, how to model a part how to assign a toolpath, how to generate code. Uh, The software is easy to use. Uh, The machines are much easier to use. Like you said, you can sit in bed and on your laptop, open up CAD-CAM software, design something, create toolpath, generate code for very, very small investment, very minimal experience, very minimal uh, education to get there. Whereas 20, 30 years ago, you'd have to go to some sort of trade school or apprenticeship for yeah. you to learn how to machine a part, to learn how to turn handles, for you to learn how to generate code. Yeah. And then a lot of the old timers, it's kind of like flying. You'd have to do certain many hours before you could fly. You'd have to do certain many hours before they let you hit yeah. hit start on the machine. Previously, it was, you are investing in it because it was going to be your career. Yes.
1: Who's Fusion 364?
2: That's a great question. It's for mm-hmm. everybody. It's for everybody. Everybody can use it. Everybody can uh, adopt it anybody can design something. I've taught my children how to use it. And I've taught journeyman machinist how to use it, and my children can generate code and journeyman machinists can generate code and make a part and go out on the shop floor and make a part successfully.
1: When we return, we'll get a brief glimpse into the future with Angelo and pick up a few tips on machining and working in Fusion 360. But first I catch up with my colleague, Peter Riley. Pete has a background in videography and photography, but recently he's been leading the charge for all of our content creation on our Bantam Tools desktop PCB milling machine. And nothing for me really underscores the current low barrier to entry with CNC than his learning process over the last couple of months. Peter Riley, welcome to the EDGE podcast. Uh, glad to be here. <laughs> We're standing over a table of basically like the last six months of our work or your work. <laughs> yeah. I- what, what is, like, wait, what are we looking at? What is all this stuff? All right,
3: well, we got a bunch of, bunch of little things on here, all sorts of odds and ends, uh, woods, metals, plastics, you name it, we tried to mill it. Some of it more successful than others, but... So what I'm looking at here, we've got this uh, topograph made out of aluminum. Uh, it's actually up in Glacier National Park. Uh, this at hidden lake. It's a fun little place I got to visit. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> A learning experience? Uh, No, this is a fun little black hole that we did out of Corian, uh, which is a fun material to mill, uh, but does kick up a lot of dust. It's kind of fun when you hold up to the the light and see what's going on. PCBs, we've got acrylic. Yeah, so these are actually kind of fun to look at visually, especially when you get them edge it like it. I've learned to really appreciate what you can do with acrylic because it's just the the contrast. Everything just kind of pops.
1: All right. So you're like, I I, I love what you can do with acrylic. Uh So just to set the stage, we started this sort of effort in February. We were like, hey, let's just start creating a bunch of videos of CNC projects. Yeah. (laughs) And around that time... You had some experience with the PCB milling machine? Yeah, a little bit, but never to the point where it's like,
3: all right, create something from scratch. And your background's in videography?
1: Yeah, a little bit. Journalism, that sort of thing. I was in broadcast news. I was a news producer for a <laughs> while That's so, before I did this. It's so safe to say that like speeds and feeds and like depth of cut and... Uh, cad cam language those were not things that were rolling off of your tongue
3: no i studied spanish in, in college and i didn't even really succeed at that so th-
1: this this is greek this is foreign for sure how does this make you feel looking at all this stuff on this table well honestly it's i i actually really do appreciate it Seeing
3: it's totally like it i'm i'm glad we've taken the time to put it all out here you know, we always talk about how the mill's designed to empower people, right? And learn and this sort of stuff.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And it's empowering. It's, it's nice to see that I've gone from basically knowing next to nothing to, giving, to doing some of these more complex projects and even just uh, recently just wrapping up with that little coffee pot that we did, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah, today. And there's a lot that goes into that. So just kind of seeing that, it's, it's,
1: mm-hmm.
3: it's cool. It makes, me, it makes me want to do more. Yeah.
1: And they're not all, uh, I mean, some of these, like, admittedly, in the best way, are like, on the surface, they're kind of tchotchkes and as but but they're like they're tips of a story to tell people about like here's how you the right way to mill a pocket on our machine or here's the right way to think about speeds and feeds on our machine mm-hmm. so and I'm, i mean like i'm holding this uh, this surface finish test where you, you ran all these tests with some Harvey tooling and we got like 8.7 ra's of a roughness average for 866 866 all right no one's <laughs> counting um, <laughs> Yeah, there's some real stuff in here, which is really neat to see. And what I was really curious to hear from you on is like, what are the things that made it easy for you to learn all of this in six months?
3: First off, uh, what I found impressive um, when I was learning Fusion 360, it's just the sheer amount of people out there that are all kind of in the same boat as me yeah. at some point are all various stages of their own journey as they're learning it. Yeah. And so there's a bunch of resources out there. And so it's just got a very strong community behind it, yeah. which is super helpful. And then when you're in a pinch and maybe don't have time to Google something all the way, um, I found just kind of going through Fusion, just taking the time, just kind of like mouse over things, see those little descriptions, things like that. So a lot of it's just kind of learning. It, it does a good job of kind of teaching you a little bit as you go, enough to kind of make you dangerous, <laughs> just a little dangerous, you <laughs> yeah. know? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. You, you also do like some video techniques. Like you use it as, a, as, a, as prepping your, your shoots for the thing. Oh, absolutely.
3: And then the ability to actually preview it Uh, when I do the simulate, I can kind of see where things are going to go down, and I can figure out, oh, this is where it's going to hit now, and it kind of creates a sort of storyboard, so I'm not really caught off guard (laughs) as like, where's this thing going to go next? Like, I'm I'm ready for the shot.
1: I love that Uh, fusion as a CAD CAM and videography storyboard tool. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Favorite project.
3: Favorite project. Honestly, I'm glad you picked uh, The topographs, the original one we did of peakskill that was a lot of fun. There's lots of steps in that. Yeah. That, was, that was one of my favorite ones because that's kind of what got things going. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously, you're going to ask me what's my favorite, and it's usually the one I just completed. <laughs> which was? Uh, which was the coffee pot. And then uh, about two hours of reveling in like, the success. After about two hours, I'm more excited about the one I'm going to do next. <laughs> which is? Uh, at this point I might make a rocket ship. I don't know. We'll see.
0: <laughs> Welcome back. This is The Edge from Phantom Tools.
1: What's at the bleeding edge of, of the
0: software? Where is this headed? Is there an AI augmented reality future of, of CAD CAM? I don't know. When we came in here, I saw a lot of generative tool paths.
2: Yeah, there's generative stuff. Yeah, what going you- on.
0: Break it on down for us. What's the future look like when you gaze into the crystal ball yeah. of CNC? Oh
2: wow, it's it's kind of like when I think of someone like Elon Musk. You know, he wants to go to Mars, where 10, 20 years ago that was impossible. Or you know, the thought of that is like, oh, you're crazy. Just like NASA told him when he said, you know, he wanted to fire a rocket and land that first stage vertically, on and and recycle that rocket. You know, they told him he was crazy. He said, challenge accepted, and he did it. And so. With software, uh, what what we're doing here is just if if you say it can't be done, watch us. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if we have this feature where you CAD your part and then you just say, "Okay, AutoCAM yeah. for me," like is that
2: AutoCAM? Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: is AutoCAM a thing? Is that going to happen? Is that where we're headed? Yeah. And like, is there a uh, risk there? I guess
2: some of the things we're doing here and looking at into the future is when we have a tool path strategy, mm-hmm. and it's in aluminum, and you're using a three quarter inch tool and you're doing an adaptive clearing operation with this step over and step down, and it just works and it sounds right it has efficient uh, material removal. Mm-hmm. We're capturing that.
1: Yeah, it's pretty close to yes. a, an auto. Yes, an so auto we're piano. capturing
2: that. So looking forward, we can say, hey, this is very similar to what was done here. It works successfully. Mm-hmm. And we can recommend that strategy for this application moving forward. Just like Google and all these autonomous cars, mm-hmm. how are they getting all their automatic driving? There's someone in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. they have all these instruments capturing data as they're driving around town, mm-hmm. capturing you know what to do at a, a red light, what to do at an intersection sure. with the stop sign, with the four corner intersection or a five corner intersection, how does the car successfully navigate that? Mm-hmm. So there's companies out there capturing that and that's what we're doing as well. Is that from a customer base or is that just internal
1: testing here? Internal test. Okay, cool. I would think that you have some deeper understanding of like when, you know, a spindle and a bed, you know, move in a certain way and you maybe hear a sound. You're like, oh, I know what that might be doing because I've actually turned the wheels, yeah. you know, by hand and felt that. Um, so, like, is there, is there a risk of continuing to make it? more and more simple and easy to use you know
2: so to touch on that a little bit uh, yeah the in the old days you'd have to kind of cut your teeth and prove that you can make it manually before they would graduate you to a CNC machine mm-hmm. and to answer your question yes when I'm at a machine and I can hear the machine I can hear the cut just by the sound I know if it sounds right or right it or sounds wrong something sounds it doesn't doesn't quite sound right I think of like a chef when they're hitting the, the frying pan sizzle
0: the machinist here
2: yes you can just tell and that comes from experience and so there is a little bit of a disconnect that sometimes i see that someone comes in and they'll program a part Mm -hmm. and they don't understand speeds and feeds and depth of cut axially depth of cut radially work holding fixture and how you're going to hold that part successfully Mm -hmm. so there is some of that that you need someone with experience to get you there but in the same way Uh, how the analogy I gave earlier, you can shoot a rocket up and all of that's automated, and have that land where 20, 30 years ago, you need a pilot to do that.
0: One of my favorite questions to ask people is like, if you had all the resources at your fingertips, and in many cases, it'd be like the ultimate shop. like You do in the basement here. What what would you do? In some ways, (laughs) like you have an ultimate workshop in the basement here, you've had your own machine shop. Is there anything on your to-do list in terms of like, what you would do with unlimited resources and access to all the manufacturing stuff in the world like?
2: Oh wow, that's a, that's a great question and there's so many things, uh, but what I find fascinating is to helping the kids in the future yeah. to expose it to them. Because when I was growing up, you didn't even know what a machinist was or making or designing, whereas now with social media and making and 3D printing and uh, your desktop machines and our software, now the youth are more exposed to that but I'd also like to continue that and get them started at earlier age in in education so that they could be exposed to that so they can think and say going back to the original question instilling the drive and desire and just exposing the youth and the next generation to the all the tools we have to make things design something and fabricate or machine something Mm -hmm. and so that to me is uh, something that uh, I've hold close to my heart to share what I know because I have a lot of knowledge, but if I don't share it with someone, it's nothing. Like if I retire and never touch a machine again, yeah. then all of that knowledge is not captured. So what I'm going to be doing here moving forward is doing uh, live streams at, here at Autodesk. We have them on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And us and our team, we're creating uh, live streams that just shares how to use fusion. And one thing that we haven't have been able to do very well was capture that from machining or cam. Mm. So that's what I'll be doing moving forward is a lot of cam live streams showing tips and tricks. And I had a buddy, he was making a part on his uh, machine in his garage and he had a surface finish problem and he described the problem and I had him fix it yeah. and he was facing apart and the surface finish was garbage and it was a plastic and I asked him what did the cutting edge look like and it was sharp so I had him hone the edge the sharp edge of the end mill I just had him hone it with a honing stone to mm-hmm. give it a slight fillet mm-hmm. and so when he cut it, it came out like a mirror and he said he called me back said man that worked great. Yeah. So. Uh, because I've had that problem before. That's a good I tip. I've never old... heard that. Yeah. The tool was too sharp. So it was literally like tearing the top of the material instead mm-hmm. of uh, creating a nice smooth cut. That's a great segue actually into, we wanted to just briefly get some real like tactical tips
1: from you. If this were yeah. you know, live stream, number one,
2: getting as much experience as you can, um, educating yourself on work, holding speeds and feeds are crucial. What cutting tool to use, in what application, Mm -hmm. and what strategy to use on finishing operations.
1: What's the most common question that you get asked specifically with Fusion 360, like someone who's listening right now? Like, is there a part of of Fusion of the Fusion software that people just don't even, that's like, they haven't turned that rock over yet. And when you show it to them, it unlocks a new door.
2: Great great question. There's a few uh, come to mind. Uh, Sometimes when people have problems with their part and they're getting an error. I always have them start at the setup. Sometimes they missed something in the setup or the orientation is wrong mm-hmm. and their WCS is wrong, their work offset is wrong, mm-hmm. or they don't have the model selected and they can't create a tool path and Fusion, you know, trying to create a operation and you're not getting what you want out of it. Uh, there's some things in Fusion that we we love and are very powerful for users. If you right-click on any of the fields where you enter, like, a depth of cut or a a radial or axial depth of cut, for example, or step over, step down. Mm -hmm. If you right-click on that, it opens up uh, uh, where you can give it an expression or a formula. So things that I like to use are, for example, on adaptive, uh, I like to use 20% step over. So you can give it a formula, tool, underscore, diameter, times, 0.2 will be 20% of the diameter. So if I have a one-inch tool, my step over will be 200 thousandths. If I have a smaller tool, it will automatically update. So I, you can capture that by right-clicking and say uh, "Make Default." Cool. So a lot of people aren't aware of that. So those are some pro tips. And then you go in and you create. Uh, all your adaptive how uh, it worked your formula your step over step down mm-hmm. speeds feeds all of that worked and then you can capture that. So next week, next month, next year you get a similar part. You can quickly just create an adaptive tool path. And last time it was a one inch diameter tool, this time it's a one eighth tool. Mm-hmm. And but the step over will still be twenty percent.
1: Cool. Well Angela, this has been amazing. Yeah. This such, is a good, great.
2: such a good such um, a good demo. Where should where can people follow along with like you specifically and then yeah. and so on the stuff you're doing I am with Autodesk. On Instagram uh, my name is Angelo Juris, or my handle is the true Croatian sensation. And instead of a space, it's underscore. So that's how people can find me. Right. And my email is angelo.juris at autodesk.com. And it's uh, Angelo. People say, How do you spell it? And I say, Like Angela, but Angelo. So it's angelo.juris, J U R A S, and that's S and in Sam. And people can reach out to me anytime, and I, I do my best at trying to reply to emails. Thank
0: you for listening to The Edge, the Bantam Tools podcast. Check out all the show notes and the links at bantamtools.com slash edge Make sure to subscribe and we'll see you next time.